Now, my first target this week is uh, a man that's very well known around the parts here in Westmead, is, is the current Westmead manager, Jack Cooney. Worked as a, as a selector under Luke Dempsey, Paddy O'Shea, and worked with Tommaso Flaherty as well. Coach with Donegal under Rory Gallagher, and most recently manager of Kinnegad and Road to win numerous championships. Um, player of 12 years, how's things, Jack? Good, brother, good. Talking to you maybe what it, uh, what it takes to be a manager of any team, let alone an inter-county team, and we're hoping that a lot of young managers might uh, gain something from your experiences and maybe talking about uh, what way you approach things. Um, from the first moment you thought of yourself uh, uh, as being a manager, when do you think that was? God, I probably still don't think myself as a manager, to be honest, <laughs> but I don't know. Like I, I can always remember when I was playing... Uh, obviously there's no substitute for playing first of all um, and I remember when I was playing and different coaches or managers or, or, or whatever way you want to call them you know either coming off a pitch and you'd be you'd be buzzing you know you say god that was a great session or I really really enjoyed that and I always kind of felt then geez, I'd love to have that impact on somebody down the line so yeah. I'd say it was probably in the back of my mind you know from a young age like even when I, I had such an interest when I was younger, um, that you know maybe even at the age of sixteen and seventeen, like a lot of like a lot of players now, you, you go back and you start coaching under twelves and under fourteens in the club, you know. And I got a grow for it and was always interested in it. And um, then I, I guess once I finished playing, because I I finished playing with the county relatively young. Like I went in with Luke, uh, Luke Dempsey, and. 2000, 2001 actually, 2001, yeah. 2001, spent three years with Luke and I was like, I was only 30 at that stage. And um, uh, th- then you just, you just get a grow for it and, and, and then you just stay in it. And that's, you know, and that's, did I have any major plan to manage Westmead? I would have always loved to, but then you just have to make sure the time is right when you take it. Yeah. Did you have any, um, you probably still had a lot to offer to the footballers though back in 2000 when you did finish up like you had a, you had a decent year in 2000 and did you not think that maybe that I could do another year or two here because you were flying at club level obviously because I played against you myself it's probably it's interesting really um, I had played I played for 12 years at that stage mm. I think I, I came into the scene at 17 or something around that time uh, under Seamus Conroy back in the late 80s and it's interesting because Luke came at me a couple of times to say would I go in as part of the management setup, and I obviously said no because you know I was still interested in playing. Yeah, and I actually had a conversation with my dad, and he gave me some good advice, and he said, "Well, you probably didn't have much luck or much much success as a player. You might have a little bit more, you know, as a coach or a manager." Yeah, and um, just kind of probably persuaded me a little bit then to go towards that. Yeah, because I wasn't really interested. In what I could achieve as a player, I was more interested in what Westmead could achieve. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, you understand, yeah. And I just wanted Westmead to do well. Um, and then it's probably no coincidence when I stopped playing, Westmead started winning. So <laughs> it was it was a good decision, I think, for Westmead. Um, just w- when you're mentioning that now, uh, I'll never forget. Like I know when you go back and look at Westmead versus Mead in 2003, um, I was lucky enough to be on the field when. When, when this happened but uh, I'll never forget like it'll be always remembered for poor old Des kicking the free wide 
by a couple of inches. Um, but when you when you look back in that match, Desi was after scoring one seven, one eight, or whatever, one nine in a match, and he was unbelievable. Like people tend to forget that. But I'll never forget at half time we were sort of down in the dumps and we were going out. And I think I mentioned this to you before in a, in a chat we were having together. Uh, we were going out for the second half and you stopped us. And you gave, now I've been in dressing rooms with a lot of very good men that can talk with the likes of Potty, but you probably gave the best speech I ever heard in my life at half time that day, just before we went back out into the field. Do you, do you recall that? I do, yeah. I remember that well, and I remember that game. And, and that team, we were probably unlucky that we came across Mead so many times. Like in 2001, we came across them a couple of times and ran them very close. So even though we won the Leinster in 2004, that team possibly could have won one earlier and went on to bigger and better things as well, you know. Yeah, yeah but I, re- I remember that. That was just like f- from the heart or whatever uh, because I felt going back out, you just get a sense that you just weren't right. Yeah. You just needed a little bit of a push and very, very unlucky not to win that. You know, with the football we played in the second half, was excellent, you know, yeah. and it's a pity we didn't get the result, you know. Yeah, that it probably deserved. Exactly. Fairness. Yeah, but exactly. Um, but like I'll never forget, it's not too often that the hair stand in the back of your head uh, as a player. I'm sure you had it on a few occasions yourself, but I remember I'll never forget that speech. It was one of those one of those situations where the hair was standing in the back of your head, and, and it really. Now, Luke was a very good manager and probably had spoken very well, but really that was the speech that really set us off. And unfortunately, we came up short in the end, but it was, uh, I'll never forget. Sometimes you bring that from a player into that uh, coaching kind of uh, role that you just get a sense of what you need or you put yourself in in the player's position and you say, well, what would I need now? Or what do you think is going to give me that little bit of a boost now? So, look at it. It had probably nothing to do with the second half. And I would say it did have nothing to do with the second half performance. But the lads played very, very well. And it's a, just a pity. And, and I don't agree that, that that game is focused on that last kick or whatever. I thought Desi was outstanding that day. Yeah, and he was unbelievable. An outstanding yeah. player for Westmead, you know. Yeah, he's phenomenal. But um, just uh, down through the years, you've obviously worked under a lot of players or a lot of managers yourself as a player. And you've worked with a lot of managers yourself as a coach. Uh, is there anyone that you try to style yourself on or are you just sort of, I'm my own man? Oh no, you take a bit from everybody. Yeah. You really, really do take a bit from everybody. Um, um, both club and county, you know, and yeah. even within, from players as well, you try and um, take the best, best of everything. And, and then all that is merged in to your own personality or whatever your makeup is that, you know, that's, given to you from your parents or your environment as you grow yeah. up. So I'd say, so then in, in, in a separate code, when I was uh, working in Munningar back in the early 90s and playing for Westmead, Joe Schmidt came to Munningar Rugby Club uh, yeah. as a coach. Himself and his wife came over from New Zealand and took a year out from their their uh, teaching in, in, in New Zealand. Uh, and I played rugby. I hadn't played rugby up to that and I played rugby for a year under Joe. And I can remember driving out from some of the training sessions or, or all of the training sessions actually and I just felt God they were so enjoyable there was so much variety um, there was so much learning in the sessions uh, and Joe even back then then had a he would have had a big impact on me back then yeah just in terms of uh, how he how he made a, f- a player feel on on a pitch or how he made a player perform or whatever on the pitch so 
that then combined with Maddie Kerrigan, obviously been around uh, with Barney Rock after that, uh, Brendan Lowry, brilliant manager, and then got involved in Luke with Luke uh, for three years, and obviously then Pawdy and Tomas. So, so many different managers, and you try and take the best from them all and come up with just, your own mix. Just on Pawdy, uh, what a character. Yeah, great character. Oh, jeez, he was... Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just never forget... I remember for, we just sort of heard that he was getting in, getting on board and everyone thought it was lies, obviously. And do you remember the first meeting up in, uh, we opened up a pitch, we played Dublin, up in Dublin. Sure, he was like... Up a, in Temple Og. He was like a, a television star coming in. It actually made the 6-1 news. Yeah, didn't it? Yeah, it was got one of the headlines. Unbelievable. But in, but in terms of himself, like he was some man to give a speech. I'll tell you a good story now about Paddy. I'm a great believer in... in uh, in opportunity or, or faith or whatever you want to call it but so I'd been involved with Luke for three years before that um, and I, I was uh, probably stepping away or whatever and through a bizarre uh, string of circumstances I was coming back from a club match in Tupper Clare came across an accident outside Munningar which held me up for about 20 minutes 30 minutes um, thank God nobody was hurt I had to call into Dennis Coins to pick up my aunt to bring her back to Dublin, which I would never do. Uh, I'd never stop on the way back. But I said, I'll call in and collect you. Uh, I was living in Dublin at the time. And I walked in and literally Paddy was there, I'd say, five minutes talking to Dennis Coyne. Yeah. Um, and I just walked past as well, Paddy, best of luck in the new role. And as I walked past, Dennis Coyne called me back. And he says, Jack, come here and I introduce you to Paddy. So I uh, I spent a couple of minutes talking to Paddy and I said, look, I was there for the last three years. If you need help or anything with any of the players or anything, I'd be more than happy to help you. Yeah. And then I walked down to, to pick up my aunt, my aunt Mary, and she was down at the other end of the counter waving up at me, you know, saying, do you see Paddy? Yeah. Uh, and then Paddy says, Jack, come on back up here and we have a chat. So we went up and we sat. This is at about maybe half 10, quarter to 11. So we went back up into the corner and we had it started uh, discussing football and whatever. And I left it at half two. <laughs> my, my aunt was gone back in the, la- in the, the last bus back to Dublin at half twelve. Oh, jeez. I went home and uh, hopped, into, hopped into bed beside Elaine. And I said, God, you never guess who I'm after meeting him after meeting Paddy O'Shea. And she says, what does he want? I says, I don't know, but I have to meet him tomorrow in the Burlington at half six. And I think he's going to ask me to be a selector. And she says, I don't care what you do as long as you let me go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, that was just by pure chance. Um, and then I met him the next day and he says, will you come on board as a selector for the next couple of years? And sure, then the rest is history after that. He's nearly a man you couldn't say no to. Ah, he? no, you couldn't. Sure, look at um, eight All-Ireland medals as a, as a player, two as a, as a manager and he comes into Westmead and he was brilliant. He was just, it was just a brilliant, brilliant time yeah. and a brilliant uh, man to be around. For, but, t- for those two years. But the thing you got of him, he was such a really, he was a really nice man. He wasn't, like, there was no airs and graces about him at all. Like he's, such a genuine, he's yeah. such an interest in people. And he had such an understanding of people, you yeah. know. And he, it was just brilliant to watch him, you know, coming up to championships or up to championship games or important, ga- important games. And you could just see him, you know, just uh, starting his magic and he start reeling in players and... You know, start getting them ready to get the best out of them. Yeah, it used it to love, magical. Used to love when he bring you away for a one-on-one chat, and you knew you were important. Yeah, and it, I think everyone sort of got one of those every couple of weeks. But um, 
think he put his arm around Dennis more than anyone else because Dennis is so young probably compared to all the rest of us. Yeah, he had just a great sense of people. He he was a brilliant, brilliant storyteller, a huge, huge motivator. And I remember the first game we played against Offaly up in Crow Park in that, in that championship in yeah. 2004. Uh, and you were there and he made a speech in the dressing room probably for between 15 to 20 minutes or whatever. And... It was unbelievable. It was you talked about speeches earlier, but that was an unbelievable speech. And I can just and I remember just saying to myself clearly there and then on the spot, Oh my God. And I have never heard anything like this. This man comes up from Kerry and he's able to move us like this. Imagine what he's like in a Kerry dressing room. Yeah. But I remember do you remember he used to like he'd be drilling it into your head, like, if we beat awfully this weekend. We will beat Dublin. That's right, yeah. Do you remember? He used to keep saying it. Yeah. And I think I, I think we all just, it's like anything. If you get told something often enough, you start believing it yourself. Yeah, and I uh, think he had huge, obviously from his playing days, and he, and he knew the tradition Offaly had, he had huge respect for Offaly. Yeah. Huge, huge respect. And it actually turned out that way. You know, we beat Offaly by a point. Um, dubious. Dubious point. <laughs> so I'm reminded every week. And... Uh, they, they, then, then we go, and, and I think there was a massive, massive sense after that game that, God, we could actually do something this year. Yeah. And what was also very, very important that year as well, like um, Tomás Flaherty, a great man. Like he, yeah. The amount of work he did off for Westmead was phenomenal. But I was very, very lucky that I spent a lot of time in the company of Paddy Collins. Yeah. Now, Paddy Collins was a selector back that time. Which was shrewd a man. shrewd move by yeah. Paddy to to absolutely to ask your to ask the county secretary to be a selector, and Paddy is such an intelligent man, such a smart, smart, intelligent man, and I spent so much time with him traveling up and down to the games on the bus, yeah. chatting to him, yeah. Um, and he said, "Now he he had refereed all Ireland finals, numerous all Ireland finals, and I can actually remember him saying before the Offaly match, God, any team who trains as hard as that deserves to win something, and for him to say that." The penny kind of dropped with me as well, saying, well, this guy knows, has an idea what it takes. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And I think all of these little things started just coming together in that summer. And then we got over the line, which was great. It'd make you sort of look at your own management career and say, I need to put the right people into the right places. Like, because Paddy, like, in fairness, you're saying Paddy Collins. Paddy was a man of uh, minimal words, but anything that he did say made an awful lot of sense. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, just um, great, great man, and again understands the GA to the core, you know, and again understands people. But we also we had we had a lot of great people involved that time, um, and I can remember like uh, with Mick Duffy, who was the coordinator, yeah, did tr- oh, Trojan, Trojan work, work. Yeah, Trojan absolutely. work, you know, um, yeah. And there's so many unsung heroes, Jimmy Marshall, Jimmy Marshall, yeah. Um, and it just gives you an idea of of the kind of momentum that it took when Paddy came in. So we trained in Ballinagore that time. Yeah. And Paddy wanted to do video work. And there's a great man out there called Gilbert Carey. Yeah. And Gilbert is still with us. Yeah. Another brilliant, brilliant man. Absolutely. And Leo Dowling that time was involved with the Westmead Supporters Group. And they wanted to get behind the team and see, you know, give us give us everything we, poss- we, we, we possibly needed. Um, and... That time, they were talking about bringing in a container and all of this to set up a meeting room, and uh, this was back in the day. So I pulled Gilbert out, and he had a tractor in an old shed out the back. And I said, God, Gilbert, what's the story here with this shed? Could we do something with this? 
And he said, leave it with me. And within a week, they had the whole thing skimmed out, uh, finished, and that became our team team room. Why we, why we, for those two years in Ballinagore. A lot of us got chastised in that room. <laughs> they did. <laughs> they did. And I can remember Paulie doing his first video session there. Yeah. You know, and he showed us about, he was a huge fan of Mike Gibson, the rugby player for Ireland. Absolutely. And yeah. he showed us a couple of clips of Mike Gibson and how he, yeah. how he, how he played the game, how he thought about the game and so on. And that, and like, even though, and this is the same in every club in every county in Ireland, the team that goes on the pitch, Obviously, that's they, they perform, but the amount of work that goes on in the background by yeah. all those unsung heroes, yeah, has to be has to be acknowledged. Absolutely, absolutely. Now we'll just go back to just we're after taking a bit of a, 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 a stretch there, a diversion away from where we were going. But um, just your first management gig, or Jack, um, where where was that, or how did you get on? I had or. Uh, have you any input in, from from that from that uh, job that you had? Well, first man. Well, I was involved with Lucas saying for for those three years, mm. and then party for two, and then um, I went away. Then and I I, I wanted to um, rather than coaching teams the way I had been coached or prepared, which was which was nothing wrong with it whatsoever. I wanted to go off and learn how to probably be more scientific about it, prepare the team. So I went off and I I studied a sports science degree um, part time. Uh, and then I ended up coaching West or Kinnegad. So I took over Kinnegad in, I think it was 2010. Uh, and you made it a very unenjoyable year for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> you got relegated from senior to intermediate. I came in halfway through that year because uh, of, you know, the way things worked out in the club. Um, and it was, it was such a such a learning curve, you know, because we, we got relegated, uh, I think, and we were well up with a few minutes to go and we were beaten in the end, uh, thanks to yourself. Uh, You're and, welcome. And it was, it was, it was brilliant because, um, you know, and, and I've said this story a few times, um, we played GC on a Sunday or whatever, and on the Wednesday, my wife, Elaine, rang me and she says, where are you now? And I says, well, I'm in Dublin, I'm on the way home from work. She says, don't come home now in the same form that you came home in the last two days. If you are, you might as well stay away, which, which was great. She said, you lost a game of football. Now, what are you going to do about it? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. And it was just a great bolt out of the blue. And I said, right, she's so right, so practical. Uh, I rang the chairman on the way home and I says, right, what are we going to do about this? Uh, I says, we're going to invest in a gym. Uh, and within two weeks, we had the lads back in the gym uh, preparing to win the Intermediate Championship the following year, which we won. And I guess what that meant to me then, my first role is, it's, you don't take anything for granted. No, exactly, yeah. And it's just, it's all about hard work. But it just goes to show, like, we went into that game and uh, that relegation game, and we had Joe Giles, who right. is a very good friend of yours and, yeah. a, and a club mate and worked with you with a few teams of Guinea Gad and he was managing us. And I'll never forget the week leading up to that. He was distraught. He was a broken man going into that match. And we just took it over ourselves really and said, listen, we can't expect this man to yeah. to roar and shout and bring us through this match. But he uh like he he reckons and talking to him since and you probably reckon yourself it's probably the best thing that ever happened Kinny Gad. It got the show back on the road and really progressed the club. Yeah, a couple of things on that game. Um Joe's a brilliant fella, absolute top, top-notch fella. Uh, 
And I can actually remember he sprinted down the tunnel the minute the final whistle went. Yeah. Sprinted. He's such a proud Kenny Gardman. Um, but what it did, there's a couple of things that, that, I, that I learned from that, my experience from that is. When teams are going very, very well, there's a huge wave of energy behind them and so many people offering or volunteering their services to, you know, and their work to keep the thing going. Yeah. But on the opposite end of the scale, likewise, when a team like we did got relegated at that time, the amount of people that came up that wanted to do something, again, uh, they want... To, it, it almost had the same effect as winning a championship, if you understand what yeah, I mean. Yeah, get you, yeah. The amount of people says, right, what are we going to do? Everybody rolled up their sleeves. Yeah. And said, we need to get back up, senior. Yeah. And that's what happened. And everybody, the whole way around the club, everybody uh, had an input and everybody worked hard. And as you say, uh, that probably was, uh, probably had to find a moment then for the club, yeah. Uh, Jack, this inter-county season is obviously different upon most, but uh, when you took up the reins as Westmead Senior Football Manager in your first year, can you describe your initial thoughts on how you began preparing for that season? Um, I would have said uh, the first thing I, I was just interested in doing was going around and see what players were going to commit. That was the first thing. Yeah. Uh, and that took a bit of time. And then the second thing was to make sure that um got around to see as many players and as many games as possible. So you had a good idea of all the talent that was available. So it's just part of the job. But I suppose more importantly than anything else was just to try and create a very good environment. Yeah. That was key. Uh, and with that environment then came, you know, a good S&C set up, which we have tr- through John Angle and Wolfhound Fitness. Uh, well, was very keen to partner with AIT. Uh, the f- excellent facilities down there, very, very supportive of the county. Yeah. Uh, and great expertise there. You know, they have a sports science department uh, and wanted to build uh, a strong relationship with AIT. And then it was uh, putting a, a good coaching team together, which which we did. You know, we had Pascal Cahill, Declan Gorman uh, and Cotton Mullen who played with Gary Castle and Westmead yeah. for years. Uh, and they, they were brilliant first year and, and still are. And Carl wasn't able to commit then to second year and we brought in Brian Flanagan from Kildare. So that combined then with performance analyst uh, Tom, Thomas Mount and the most important people, the kit men, which I think are more important than my job because they keep the players so happy. Yeah. Mick Dillon in, was in year one and he's there again year two with, with Jimmy from Rosemount. Jimmy Whelan. So I guess you're just trying to create a really, really good environment. And that was, that was key. That was very, very important for me yeah. uh, uh, to allow the players to prepare to the best of their ability uh, and to be challenged. Um, and then we just went from there and it was trying to build uh, trust with players. And uh, we just got on a roll then, you know, and yeah. we, we didn't put a huge amount of emphasis on winning or huge amount of emphasis on promotion, really. We just wanted to kind of take it from game to game or week to week. That's, yeah. that's literally the way we went about it. Obviously, nutrition, fitness, uh, stats, kit men, everything you're after mentioned there, really important. But um, what was your main target uh, to bring in and to work on from the start to improve this Westmead team? Yeah, it's without being 
too specific. It was just to create a really, really good environment. Yeah. It was really to, so it's really to kind of get the lads to to recognise that this is intercounty. You know, this is hopefully more challenging, and it's it's you'll be prepared better than you were prepared with the club. Perhaps that's that's what I that would have been my hope. Uh, obviously, in the back of your mind, you want to be successful, and you want to you want to try and develop the team and progress, and you know get promoted and so on and so forth. And that came in possibly at a later stage, but you had to get up and running early, and you had to get up and running again, with the right things in place. And that was important. Yeah, there's a lot of talk, obviously, about the split season, uh, Jack. And uh, what's your take in, uh, of the, the last few months with COVID-19 and with the way that you're working with your players? Obviously, you're only after getting them back uh, the last few weeks now. But um, did, did you enjoy the sort of split season and, and getting another chance to look at them with their clubs? Or what way did you look at? Again, you'd have to put yourself in the player's perspective. I think the players really enjoyed it. I think the players love to go back and everyone loves playing for their club mm. uh, and representing their club. And I think we didn't put pressure on the players. We didn't try and train them through the club season. Um, we, we checked in with them now and again, but we literally just told them, look, under the circumstances, go and prepare well with your club, express yourself with the club and enjoy it. And they did. And they came back fresher. And uh, I think they enjoyed... Um, that freedom to go and prepare and play with their club. And I think there's a lot of learning in that. Uh, Jack, just uh, the intercounty season obviously is very much different uh, this year um, with COVID-19 and so on. Um, how do you, What's your thoughts on preparing the team for the, for the season ahead? Yeah, well, we've, it's, yes, it's, it's, it's obviously fragmented in that uh, we split in March. Um, we were coming to an important game back then against Leash. Uh, and then um, now we have a smaller window, which, you know, we've the guys coming out through the club season uh, and then we have whatever number of weeks to prepare for two league matches and then the championship. So it's been challenging, you know, it's um, obviously some resources are taken away from you uh, in terms of gym and all and all of that. So um, it's, 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 it's interesting, I'd say that at the least. Yeah, when you were when you were pulling your um, backroom team together to start of this, Jack, obviously it's uh, uh, you're you're taking over Westmead or whatever. What was sort of the first thing that you put together to when you got the job? What was the first thing you went at to say, right, I need to get this in place or that in place? Yeah, well, I think in the overall context, it was to try and create a really really good environment uh, for the players to to perform and train, and we did that. We we was it was important. I think that we aligned with AIT. You know, they're um, very supportive of the county and have yeah. great facilities there and, and a sports science department as well, which we can piggyback on. Um, and then we we took on Joan Angle and Katie in Wolfhound Fitness and uh, they've been excellent, you know, it's um, from the S&C perspective. And again, just helping to create that, that environment. And then you have all the other expertise in terms of performance analysts, nutrition and so on. And then the coaching team. Which you know we've Pascal, we've Deck, uh, we've Brian Flanagan in this year. We'd Cahill in last year, and um, they've been immense. Like they've just been really, really um, excellent in what they do. So I think it's the overall package of just trying to create a platform or create 
something for the players to really express themselves and go at it to be honest yeah obviously it takes a lot like if you if you look at the uh, as they say the wheel of of putting together an intercounty setup you have nutrition fitness you have players stats kit men obviously you have two very good kit men we've always had kit men down through the years they've been very good but with the split season and everything that that has gone forward that has sort of come upon us um what is your take on that split season in terms of uh, of working with the players in terms of looking at them in club matches and so forth? Yeah, I think there's plenty of learning from it. Um, I, I would definitely say that our players enjoyed going back to the club under no pressure from us. We didn't put serious, any, any, any amount of pressure on them as regards uh, fitness levels or anything like that. We told them to go back and enjoy their club season. Uh, and I think they appreciated that. And, and certainly... Um, over the when when we've returned now we've a couple of sessions under our belt the lads are certainly very very fresh uh, and I think they appreciated that so I think there's plenty of learning there I think the split season is could work um, but again in all of this the inter county player is the one that's been pulled between both yeah so they you know we need to sit down and talk to the inter county player to see how is it going to affect them yeah. it's great the club season having a defined club season for say six months. Yeah. And an inter-county team or an inter-county season for six months. But players are going to play both. And, and they, we, we need to be very, very mindful of, of them. Yeah, absolutely. Just on your own, uh, like when it comes to, especially the first year uh, that's gone past with Westmead, would you have any sort of old club mates, maybe an older manager or a person that you would go back to after each match to ask their opinion on the match? Or would you be very much... Uh, looking at the stats and stuff and the video evidence or would you really have someone from within say Kinnegad or, or the surrounding areas that you would go back to and maybe chat to them about the match that's after been had I'd have a lot of chats among the coaching team that's there yeah you know and uh, you know we, we talk daily and yeah. uh, you reflect on training sessions and you reflect on games and so on uh, and then you do prep work for the team for the games and teams that are coming up so it's very much kind of within that group, within the group and yeah. obviously then you take in outside opinions as well. So, yeah, it's a multitude. It's a multitude of everything. Uh, Jack, just uh, the inter-county season obviously is very much different uh, this year um, with COVID-19 and so on. Um, how do you, What's your thoughts on preparing the team for the, for the season ahead? Yeah, well, we've, it's, yes, it's, it's, it's obviously fragmented in that uh, we split in March. Um, we were coming into an important game back then against Leash, uh, and then um, now we have a smaller window. Which you know we've the guys coming out through the club season, uh, and then we have whatever number of weeks to prepare for two league matches and then the championship. So it's been challenging, you know. It's um, obviously some resources are taken away from you uh, in terms of gym and all and all of that. So um, it's 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 interesting. I'll say that at the least. Players, obviously, Jack, uh, can be a dream to work with, but obviously within a, a sort of a 30, 40 players that you've been working with throughout the year, there'd obviously be a couple of bad eggs, lads, that had like to go for a few pints or um, have a, like the sort of social media scene. What is the main traits uh, you expect an inter-county footballer to have in this day and age? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, that they bring me drinking a few pints, that's, that's <laughs> very, very important. <laughs> Uh, I know. I think it's. Um, I 
I think you just you just want to deal with really really good people, you know, and then and that's important to me. And um, you want honesty and integrity and upfront, you know, because yeah. we as a coaching team we give it upfront, um, and that's that's literally it. It's um, just real honest effort and commitment, you know. That's yeah. it. That's it. That's what you really really want, and it's it's not just the commitment when you're training. It's probably the holistic approach of commitment. You know, it's what they're doing when they're away from us is important. Would you be a believer in trial games, Jack? Or would you be a believer in bringing someone in and giving them a certain time frame to prove themselves from within a panel? Or would you like just picking off three or four games? We've done internal games. I'm a great believer in that. We try and keep it as much game-based as possible. Yeah, The lads might disagree, but we'd like to try and keep uh, keep football you know is, is the priority in our training sessions uh, and then they do quite a bit of prep work around that in gyms and so on and so forth and, and try and do their conditioning there um, what we've done in the past we've brought in players for say an internal trial match but we make it very clear to them that come in and have a, have a go at this and you know see how you, how you play and so on uh, and, and that's good but uh, yeah it's it's very much we try and uh, see as many players as we can during the club season bring them in give them an opportunity you can only carry so many players at any particular time in an inter-county squad you know yeah. particularly around competition time but during the course of the season we try and get give uh, as many players as possible an opportunity to come in yeah just on uh, just on that like Obviously, down through the years with ourselves, we had a few players that fell into this category of players to play better with inter-county than to do with their own clubs. Do you think you may have a couple of those lads at the minute, or did you, or would you believe in sort of them statements? I don't really, to be honest, but because it, like um, it's not for me to judge how they perform on the club per yeah. se. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I can exactly. only judge them on when they come in with us and they prepare and, and train and play with us. Uh, and there's no doubt. Like I'm very, very lucky over the last couple of years that the lads that have, that are uh, involved with us now they're giving it everything. You know, yeah. their, their, their effort and their commitment is a hundred percent. Maybe sometimes when a county player goes back to his club, there's a little bit more pressure on them to perform, and maybe some players can't deal with that. But uh, as regards playing and preparing with us, um, no th- they're all given. Yeah, they're all given a hundred percent. Just with um, like we have uh, we've great talent from within the county. Have you? Uh, is there any sort of players from around, or how would you deal with a player that would have loads of talent and well able to play county football that wouldn't commit, or would you just if you ask them and they had no interest, you just forget about them straight away and move on? Yeah, it's their decision. You know, all yeah. I can do is make the offer or yeah. present them with an opportunity, um, and if they want to take it, that's great. And if they don't, then. Um, there's no point in me forcing it if they don't want to do it. Yeah. It's their decision. Yeah. But there's many other things involved in that decision. Like if, if you're bringing in younger players, uh, I'd always try and talk to their parents um, because it can, particularly a younger player, like there's, there's, there's an awful lot going on and they need support all over. You know, it can be a big challenge for them to step up to. So um, I try to just make the, inform them of what the commitment levels are and uh, let them make the decision then. Make an informed decision if they yeah, can. Exactly, okay. Um, just, uh, do you think from being an inter-county player yourself that that has helped you relate to the players? There's a couple of things I would say there. Um, 
when I was playing for Westmead and Kinnegad, I loved, I loved it. I loved playing for my club and county. Um, I would probably love to be a young player now, seeing how they prepare and everything that's available. The, the level of expertise and knowledge that's there is it's mind-blowing nearly, to be, on, to be honest. I'm probably lucky as well that I have three teenage kids at home. And I have a young fellow at home, Breen, who's very, very interested in football. And I have two daughters, Ella and Marie. They're also very interested. And it just gives you, an, you're kind of connected with, you know, young players coming through and what they think and how they, how they approach their sport. So the whole thing to me, from, to be honest, is that you stay, in, stay connected to it or that you have your finger on the pulse. That's important. And I'll go back to what I said earlier. Try and have balance in your life. You know, it can't be all football all the time. Uh, I don't think that's healthy. So, yeah. and it's for me as a coach or a manager, it's important that I understand that and implement it. Uh, Jack, there's always been a, a major rise in um, social media over the last number of years in terms of Twitter and Facebook and so forth. Uh, what advice would you give your players now on that or would you give them any advice or let them deal with them themselves or what? Yeah, we'd, um, we'd just tell them to be careful, you know, and a lot of them, it's kind of, they, they monitor or control it themselves, you know. Um, um, yeah, we don't bring a huge amount of focus on it, to be honest. Um, and the lads are very responsible when it comes to it. I think possibly a number of years ago, um, you know, maybe that whole thing was, was probably more... Uh, you would be a lot more cautious about it. But I think lads nowadays, they kind of, they kind of know the pitfalls of social media yeah. and uh, they're well able to police it themselves, really. Yeah, just on that, obviously, there's a lot of people now, back in the day, if you if you had a bad game, you might have a lad roaring out the window of the car at you. But obviously now they can hide behind fake profiles and so forth. Have you had any players over the last number of years uh, coming to you and saying they were getting abuse online or... No, half an hour in fairness. Um, but I think everybody, those, what did they call them, keyboard warriors, whatever you call them, yeah. I think like they're pigeonholed. Everybody knows what they are. You know, if you can't put your name to something or to a comment, well then... It's not worthwhile. Well, there's no value to it, yeah. yeah. Uh, just, obviously, it's a handy tool to have, and Alex Ferguson, um, Alex Ferguson had his lads, had his... Uh, his men going around keeping an eye on lads. Obviously, with with social media, you didn't have to do that. But um, how different now? Last question on this would be: How different now is the current player compared to when you played? Um, I would say they're very m- much more educated on how to prepare. They know the importance of um, everything that goes about getting ready for football or getting ready for that game. You know, because you have so many other things involved now. S&C, nutrition, performance and, uh, analysts and everything. So they've an awful lot more to consider. And therefore, I think they're a lot more informed. Um, and I think as well that they are, they, they're much more confident in expressing their opinion, which is important, you know, because they take ownership at the end of the day. So um, I think there's this push towards a kind of a player-led, player-owned kind of a setup you know, which, which if the players are able and ready for it, you know, that's, that's what you want. That's what all these top teams, you know, are, they're, they're pushing that way, you yeah. know, in, in, in even in GA and in other sports. So I would say t- compared to me, 
now now compared to me it's um preparation is at a completely different level and there are so many different varieties or variables involved in the preparation so it's very very challenging for players uh, jack just looking at um obviously the 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 attributes of of a coach looking at a player pushing himself you've obviously trained and and coached an awful lot of players down through the years like of Desi, Dennis, Flan, you have Michael Murphy, Ryan McHugh, Niall McNamee. Who, in your opinion, is the best player that you've ever coached? And bringing in the whole package, the best attributes of training um, and so forth, would you be willing to answer that question? There's only one answer to that, but, and it's you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think on that, you mentioned some great players there. It's it's amazing. Um, the first job we talked about earlier there, uh, Joe Keefe, who's now chairman of Coruscant Kinnegad, and he was a selector with me back then. And he says, there's there's many, many ways you can judge how effective your coaching is or how effective your, your job has been with a team. And he made a very, very interesting comment to me, and it's, it's it's stuck with me ever since. He said, don't don't judge us on what championships we've won or games or competitions or whatever but judge us on how much we've improved players or how we've improved weaker players or perceived weaker players. Weaker is, is not the right term, but it's how much players have improved rather than how good they actually are, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get you, yeah. Uh, Jack, inter-county management is uh, it's obviously a lot of pressure. Um, everyone sort of, you're in, obviously putting your, your personal life on uh online as well and and uh, obviously your family and everything like that have to deal with with a lot of the pressure along with you but uh, how do you deal with these type of pressures um well experience helps you know you prioritize things you don't let small things annoy you really you know um you talked about keyboard warriors there earlier like they they don't make any impact at all um again the thing is that it's very, very important that you get enjoyment out of it, mm. you know, and, and I repeatedly say it to the lads, uh, not the players now, but the, the coaching team in Westmead, it's very important that we have a laugh every night, and we do, you yeah. know, uh, because at the end of the day, you start this out, I know you have different types of performance levels, obviously you have elite and, and high performance inter-county and so on. At the same time, there has to be enjoyment in it. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's what I, I try to get that balance. Always see the funny side, try and get a laugh, you know, and it's important that those people are around you. Um, and that's important. And then that you just have to make time for everything else, you know, that uh, obviously, like I said earlier, balance, work-life balance or sport-life balance, whatever it is, is very, very, very important. And then you just need to identify when you need to go at it hard. And when you need to go at it hard, you need to be tuned into it. Yeah, obviously I know Elaine and I uh, wouldn't know your kids too well, but I, I know Elaine, I know how understanding she would have to be to to be living with someone that's a, an inter-county manager. But uh, on game days, what sort of person are you at home before them and after them? I probably say that I, I don't, I'm the same person, that I don't really change a whole lot. But Elaine, the kids would probably tell you completely different. Uh, I suppose you just go into your own little headspace and try and have a bit of clarity about what you want to do on the day or, you know, make sure the preparations are going okay. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't really know <laughs> if, if I change a whole lot. Um, 
obviously, you know, if you, if you lose a game, you're very deep in thought on reflecting on the game or the performance or whatever it is and how can you improve and how, do you, how can you get better. But you're always, you'd, you probably never switch off. You know, you probably never really switch off. Maybe that's a question for Elaine more than yourself, is it? <laughs> but yes, yeah. um, just in terms of picking a team now, would you contemplate the team over and over in your head yourself or would you sort of leave it to when you meet up with your management team and then go through it or would you be always would it be always in your head I should play him there or I should try him here or? Ah, yeah you'd be always you know tricking around with the team and never make a decision on my own really you know everything is consulted I, I consider I consider it a management team it's a team approach and uh then you're always looking at players like if a player maybe hit a little bit of bad form you might just try and do something different with that player, maybe change a position just to try and uh, um, get the most out of it. Yeah, maybe change it up or maybe get some sort of a catalyst or a, or a spark or something going and something might just happen to them and then they find their form again. So yeah. you're always looking for these little things. Yeah, but um, no, uh, yeah, you're, it's it's constantly, t- I, I'd be always constantly kind of think of the player, you know, and see, well, how would this player work here and how would that player work there and try not, try and, try and, get as many answers as you can on the training pitch rather than on the on the actual game day. Yeah, the next question I have for you is just, it's it's something I sort of went through myself when I was managing Turles Pass and uh, we got to a couple of county finals and he ended up having to drop a player, f- the same person actually got dropped from uh, the team both years, played the semi-final, ended up picking the team and he didn't start semi-final. And he's a, before I took over Turles Pass, he was a really good friend and I felt fierce bad going to them and telling them, would that be something that you, would you feel guilt or would you, would you always tell the player before the team meeting that they're not starting tonight or, or, or the, the, that weekend or would you just leave it till the meeting and let them take it on the chin? Ah, you try to, yeah, you try to yeah, not drop a bombshell in the team meeting or anything yeah. like that out of respect. And um, yeah, and a lot of it is just ongoing communication with the players and feedback to the players, you know, because you're constantly looking for that improvement all the time, you know. Yeah. So um, a lot of it is, the big thing now, you know, is just trying to build a really good relationship with players, that there's uh, openness and honesty there and so on, you know, to, to, as, a certain, to as good ex- extent as you can have, you yeah. know. And uh, look, you can only, at the end of the day, you can only pick 15. And at the end of the day, you can only pick your match day panel. And these are the decisions that you have to make. Yeah. And you just have to go with, the, with your decisions. But the important thing is that you make as good informed decision as possible. Yeah. Uh, just on that, obviously, activities outside of GA are, are a big thing. And you're, you're obviously still in decent enough shape yourself. You, you do a good bit of training. Would you do much training on a weekly basis or on your personal point of view? Yeah. Well, look, I just like sweat up is good for clearing the head you know yeah. and I kind of always enjoy that and try and try and keep in decent shape we went to Wolfhound there with Joe and Katie and uh, they have a great setup there and it's as much I always like training with a group so I like going in there and doing the classes and stuff and yeah um, any other interests like golf or used to play a good you were, you were a good singer back in the day yeah, Jack yeah. remember a few party, nights we were out you know was party piece yeah um, played played golf you know, before and uh, had a flair for it, but don't play, don't play at all now, really. Because um, yeah. can nearly always, if if I have a bag on my shoulder going out the door, I'm probably heading to a football pitch. You know, in some shape or form. So, 
that's just just where it's at for me at the moment, you know, and yeah. doing a little bit of study and that sort of crack as well. Um, just in terms of losing matches, um, obviously they're difficult to take. Challenge matches wouldn't be as difficult as competitive matches, but the likes of league and and there's but there's nothing compared to losing championship matches. How would you deal with them? Or would you sort of go back and you focus on yourself, obviously the players first and foremost, and then really focus on whether you did things right or you did things wrong? Would you would you do that? Yeah, it's constant reflection. Yeah. It's constant, constant reflection, even after training sessions or even after having a chat with a player. You know, you're constantly just looking back and saying, well, what if or what could he have done different or, or so on and so forth. But Losing games is part of the process. It's just what you learn from it and then how you try and go about improving it or, or making it right. And yeah. uh, and that's just a constant evolving process. And uh, sometimes you get it right and sometimes you don't. It's just how you go about it, really, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that's obviously the way to do it. It's, uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough to take, but at the same time, you have to learn from your losses. Well, yeah, exactly, you? yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, we're involved in an amateur sport. You know, we, we all took it up because we loved it and we enjoyed it. And it's very important that you don't lose sight of that either. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, would you pay much attention to the media or even the general public if they criticise your team or or things like that? Or would you sort of let that flow off your back and so be it? Would, I wouldn't be picking it up every day, no. you know, and um, there'd be some sources that you just wouldn't probably go near either, you know. So uh, I think it's very, very important that you're just, uh, pretty sure in your own head what you want, you know, and what you're trying to create and what you're going after, uh, and then um, tr- just try and be in- as informed as possible, you yeah. know, and properly informed and accurately informed. Yeah. Uh, what advice, just on managers, young managers coming up to ranks that are maybe struggling with criticism? Would you have any advice for them? I think um, build a, a really good, solid, small network of people around you, you know, that you really value and trust their opinions. Um, and um, I, I guess what's important as well is that don't surround yourself with people that you want them to tell you what you want to hear, you know, because then you can't really develop and evolve. So um, that's very, very important. And I would have that. And I think mentors are very, very important. I've benefited from mentors all my life um, and I think s- some mentors I've just literally just picked up the phone I didn't even know them and I asked them and they agreed to mentor me uh, and I would encourage any young coach to do that because yeah. it's invaluable um, it can certainly uh, sh- um, short track your, your development and so on yeah. And then I think just try things. Like don't be afraid of making mistakes. Jeez, make loads of mistakes because yeah. that's the way you're going to learn from them, you know. And uh, and the and the third thing and and the important thing is just see the positive or go and look and see if you can see the positive in as many things as possible and have have fun and have loads of crack doing it. Right, Jack. Just coming to an end of our interview here now. But um, apart from Westmead, is there any other sporting team that you would like to manage? Right, Jack, just coming to an end of our interview here now, but um, apart from Westmead, is there any other sporting team that you would like to manage? Oh, God. Um, Different sport or anything, obviously, we won't go with GA. Never really thought of that, actually. Um, actually, uh, I have a huge fondness for rugby. Yeah. Really, really like rugby. 
because uh, I'm playing it, played played a wee bit of it there back in the day. Um, so imagine being flying the wall in the all black setup. That'd be pretty amazing, yeah, wouldn't it? Unbelievable. Yeah. Imagine being a flying the wall in the Irish setup. That'd be a pretty amazing too. So yeah. Um, yeah, I love the way rugby teams prepare, and I love and the their way attitude is yeah is just real all about giving it everything and don't leave anything inside you. And yeah, and I like the way the game is formed and structured. Like it's fifteen against fifteen. It's you're trying to get across the gain line. So there's yeah. that real team teamness about it or togetherness about how to play. Yeah, it's an amazing how if you look at say Leinster Munster. Connacht Ulster, how, how much rivalry there is there, but then how much respect they have for one another when they all join in with the Irish squad. Yeah. It's just like you see a few of them documentaries and you look at them and go, Jesus, like if that was us joining up with the Offaly lads, should there be war? Yeah, and I think a lot of it goes back as well to when, you know, I always loved the, uh, it's called the Six Nations now. Yeah. You know, I am right back, on back when I was a young fella. You know, in springtime, you used to love watching those. It just really got the blood boiling or really got you up for it. And I suppose I've carried that through then, you know, and uh, rugby has exploded, you know, particularly at international level and so on. And they've been so successful over the last few years that, um, yeah, that's, that's probably one team I'd really, it's, it's a game or a team I'd love to be really, really uh, involved in would be rugby. Yeah. Uh, just in terms of reading books, would you have any books that you would... Um Sort of, you'd like to advise young budding managers coming up to maybe to have a read of that they would learn stuff off? Yeah, it does. Well, one one book is from Wade Gilbert. It's called uh, Coaching Better Every Season. It's a really, really good book and it's very well written and it's it outlines the thought process from start to finish, which is excellent. And I've just put down a book now called The Barcelona Way, written by um, Damien Hughes. It's all based on Cruyff and uh, Guardiola over in uh, Barcelona and how they built this whole culture. So I uh, really, really enjoyed that book. Really fascinating. But there's just loads of other good books. There's yeah. plenty. And, and um, Colin Nally has brought out his second coaching manual as well. So there's, a, there's an awful lot really positive going on within the GA as well on um, just building your whole coaching kind of if you want to call it your bag of tricks or whatever your yeah. tool bag and it's important that you build that so that when you go out onto a pitch if a session isn't going the way you planned or the way you'd like that you can automatically have think back to think back or pull something in different yeah. to change it up yeah uh just uh your favorite journalist commentator have you anyone in mind that you'd have a lot of respect for uh present company excluded thanks jack <laughs> um Really enjoy the local journalists here, you know, um, there's Damien Maher and we've Jerry Buckley, you know, yeah. and we have Paul Donovan. So, um, built up a good rapport with them over the last few years. So really enjoy reading their, their reports on the local newspapers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and just final question. It's a bit of a stickler and see what way you come out with. Drawn game, All-Ireland final, you're after beating Dublin and you go the whole way to the All-Ireland final and we'll bring back a few of the older players. But a free 30 yards out straight in front of the goals and you have a choice between Ger, Heaven, Desi Dolan and Dennis Glennon to take the free. Who would you give the ball to? I'd give it to you, brother. No, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> even there. I'm not even there. Don't sit in the fence, Jack. That is a... T- who, who would I... I, I'd, I'd pull the three of them in together in a little huddle and say, boys, you decide who's kicking this free because I would trust all three of them. Yeah. Jack, thanks very much for taking the time out today to give us a give us a rundown on your managerial career. And 